At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us. And if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And our show this week is brought to you again by our sponsor, Studio Headphones. Studio is a headphone company that is totally changing the game in terms of utilizing both form and function in really elegant and excellent ways. Addison and I both have their headphones and absolutely love them. They are Bluetooth headphones that are... um, most of them are wireless, although some of them do have wired capabilities, but they also have incredible sound quality that you don't usually get with wireless headphones, as well as an incredible battery life and just really excellent durability. We're, we're really, really happy with them. They're excellent. They're super helpful for editing audio, or if you have the model that Alex uses, they're great for runners. Mm-hmm. They have a wide variety of different types for different functionalities, and they're really worth checking out. Yeah, they cater to a wide variety of uses and lifestyles, and they're super excellent. And right now, if you go to their website, Studio Sweden, and you place an order, you can use our promo code KEEPER for a discount on your order. That's K-E-E-P-E-R. So, that having been said, what are we going to put in your ears for you to listen with? Well, what? This, what? <laughs> if we're giving them the headphones to listen with, what are we going to put into their ears? Oh, there it for is. For them to listen. <laughs> the phrasing of that really confused my brain. Yeah, it was not great. I was trying to make a smooth transition in it. Oh, it's time for the it show. It absolutely fell flat. It's what time are we talking show. about this week, Addison? It's time for the show. It's time so I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Land the line. Okay. I thought you might like the Muppet Show. It's nice. Thanks. But also, it's not our property, and we're going to get sued. No, it was less than 30 seconds. Okay, then we're fine. Um, So anyway, I'm the keeper of this week's cryptid, and I was torn between a couple different things, and I stumbled upon a strange little fellow uh, when I was doing my research. I want to see my little boy. Here he comes. (gasps) So um, we're heading back over to the Midwest today. I reconnected over the weekend with an old friend of mine, a very close friend of mine who is from Wisconsin, and it got me inspired to look up some Midwestern cryptids because there are some wild things out in the Midwest. That's cool because my uh, best friend from Minnesota will be here in just a couple days and we can chat about it. Um, So I want to talk about the Hodag. Oh! Do you know about the Hodag? A little bit. Oh. I'm so excited to learn more. Well, um, so the Hodag, I looked up the pronunciation. I don't know why I thought it could have been possibly anything else. But uh, the Hodag is a Wisconsin cryptid. So I'm going to, oh boy, we're going to get some more. <laughs> I know a lot of people were really sad we stopped doing this borderline offensive Midwestern accent after our Midwestern cryptids episode a while back with Wisconsin cryptids. Oh boy, here it goes. Um, so, uh In 1893, nope. In 1893, newspapers reported the discovery of a hodag in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. It had, you ready? The head of a frog. Okay. The grinning face of a giant elephant. Oh, no. Thick, short legs set off by huge claws. Wait, an elephant? (laughs) The back of a dinosaur. Well, okay, there's a lot of different kinds of... And a long tail with spears on the end. Also like a dinosaur. Yes, that's the back end of a dinosaur. Why didn't they just... Okay. 
<laughs> Why didn't they just specify what kind of dinosaur and save themselves the extra trouble there? The reports were instigated by well-known Wisconsin timber cruiser and prankster Eugene Shepard, who rounded up a group of local people to capture the animal. When you're talking about animals that grin, why do you go for the elephant? You know how elephants smile. You know how they grin, I guess. They grin so wide. That's just, what they're known for, grinning uh, elephants. You know that line in uh, um, Colors of the Wind, ask the grinning elephant, <laughs> ask the why, grinning he elephant why he grins? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's it. That I song was actually corrected. written about the whole day. Oh, wow. This must be some sort of like crazy Mandela effect, because I definitely remember <laughs> that differently. Wow. I don't really... Hmm. Interesting. Maybe, oh, you know what? I think I grew up watching just the regionally produced Wisconsin edition of Pocahontas. <laughs> Can you imagine? A movie that is bad and does not age well. Jan Smith. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I mean, there's probably a fair amount of Jan Smiths in Wisconsin. But, uh, so, uh... What was it like watching Pocahontas when you're from Virginia? To be honest, I was just... I spent a lot of it really angry because we learned the actual history behind Pocahontas. And I was like, this is a lot of... This is a lot of bull. Yeah. Like, it's an extremely... It's a movie with a lot of problems, but yes. most notably, it's incredibly ahistorical. Like, incredibly, like, almost almost gleefully. Oh, so many very, like, so Flying very in ways. the face of the actual history, especially considering she was, like, very young and probably never actually even met John Smith. Like, that was a whole thing where people were like, mm, it kind of sounds like you're just saying this to sound cool. A cool fun fact about John Smith, actually, historically speaking, and I'm so sorry to just go off on this tangent because oh, no, John Smith good. has nothing to do with Wisconsin. But John Smith was like a pathological liar. And, like, we know this historically because he would just write these buckwild things in his journal because he wrote his journal specifically, like, to be read by other people. Mm-hmm. And he would just write shit down. He would just be like, I'm John Smith, and today I saved a kitten from a burning building. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned liars, though, because here's the thing about the Hodag. There is a lot of debate now about whether or not it ever existed, not in the normal way of cryptids, like of like regular cryptids, uh-huh. but because its predominant story coming from Eugene Shepard was found out to be a hoax. So, but but the thing about it is, it's it's become such a presence in this part of Wisconsin, and still mm-hmm. like such a, its own entity, and it still has all these stories and everyone and this cult, huge culture surrounding it that I don't even want to disregard it as a thing to talk about, even though it was initially quote unquote proven a hoax because it's become it's taken on a life of its own in a way that can never really be undone. Totally. Well, like um, we've talked about before, you know, there are different kinds of real reality. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And. Even if you do want to get into, like, the metaphysical of it, you know, there are those things where the belief in them constitutes the effect that they have on people. Exactly. So, or I'm not ruling it out. Yeah, exactly. And it's, if it, yeah, it's real enough to be an actual, like, a cultural fixture in this area. It's, if it's a real animal or not, I'm not going to say. Yeah. But, not to mold or anybody's scully, yeah. but. I'm not going to take any, I'm not going to take a hard stance on the existence of the hodag. <laughs> Um, I know, I know my constituents have been wanting to hear my position. Uh, I remain bipartisan on my stance on the Hodag. Oh, really? I think that a bipartisan solution to the question of belief in the Hodag is the best choice. The, the two parties being Mulder and Scully. I think there's a lot that we... That's the two-party system I believe in. Very good. Thank I you. think that we all have a lot to learn from each other on both sides of the Hodag Isle. That's right. So anyway, uh, talking. I wanted to talk about the hoax then. This is all from the Cryptids Wiki, by the way. I'm starting from our, our old friend. More like hoax dag, am I right? No. Am I? Oh. You're, you're not right. <laughs> you're wrong. 
Um, That's about as anti-right as you can get. That sure is. So Shepard claimed to have captured a hodag in 1896, and this one was captured alive. According to Shepard's reports, he and several bear wrestlers placed chloroform on the end of a long pole, which they worked into the cave of the creature where it was overcome. He displayed the hodag at the first Oneida County Fair. Um, thousands of people came to see the hodag at the fair or at Shepard's display in a shanty at his house. Having connected wires to it, he would occasionally move the creature, which would typically send the already skittish viewers fleeing from the display. Here's the thing about this story. It reminds me a lot of a lot of uh, haunting stories that I get really interested in because it's almost more interesting that the entire when the entire thing is fake because he put in so much work. Yeah, it's like, where was his muse? What was his inspiration for this? Like, he was sitting in bed one night and suddenly decided, like, I've got it. Head of a frog, grin of an elephant, and stick, hey, hey, stick with me here. Stick, st- no, no, look look at me. I need you looking at me. Back end of a dinosaur. Stubby legs. What, a, what about the tail, sir? Also dinosaur. Spears. I said back end. Spears. <laughs> that kind of dinosaur. Are you even listening? I said back end. <laughs> Run through it with me one more time. <laughs> so, as newspapers locally, statewide, and nationally began picking up on the story of the apparently remarkable living creature, a small group of scientists from the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. announced that they would be traveling to Rhinelander to inspect the apparent discovery. Their announcement spelled the end, as Shepard was forced to admit that the hodag was a hoax. Now, here's the thing, though. And this is another reason I think people could argue that this thing potentially still exists or something like it, because... One of the most famous hoaxes of all time is uh, that mermaid, um, uh, the Fiji mermaid, mm-hmm. which was uh, a monkey uh, and a fish sewed together in uh, just a fun taxidermy, a, <laughs> a fun taxidermy exercise. You know, just the fun kind of thing you spend your day doing if you're terrifying. And I mean, come on, guys, let's be real here. Mermaids still exist, right? Yeah, mermaids are real. So I have. Provide me with empirical evidence that mermaids are not real. You can't. Man, it's like kind of a bummer that the government used to be fun, you know? I know. It used to be like, I've got a crazy frog elephant dinosaur boy out here, and the government's like, are you sure? And you're like, yeah, I do. And the government's like, okay. No, I was going to say. We're going to come take a look at that. (laughs) There's always been like one small chapter that's been kind of like, Okay, where do you keep your weird stuff? It's the, it's the Area 51, folks, not the, because uh, I was going to say, in some aspects, the government has always been uh, rather terrible. Well, but, no, I mean, the government's always been very bad. I'm just saying, like, the you fact be that silly. there was once a time when you could construct an, an affable hoax with your friend the government and they could say, we're going to come check that out, mm-hmm. show us around, love, love laugh. Yeah, exactly. Nowadays, it's just like fake news. Fake news. Or just in general, they're like, um, I mean, we have more important things to worry about, so we're not going to come check out your frog creature. And yet they continue not to actually deal with any of them. You're not wrong. So, um, so okay, a quick question about the hodag. Yes. Is the hodag, or is it not, one of the fearsome critters of I the Lumberwoods? It's literally, as you said that, do you know what I just pulled up on my phone? Oh, is it Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods? Yes. I love that. Well, it's I was an excerpt from Fearsome Critters, the 70th anniversary hypertext edition. Thank God. I love Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods. I think it's one of the funnest, like, extant novels that we have in the world. Mm. Oh, it's wonderful, and I need you to hear it. what it has to say about the hodag. is as do is tell me. Fabulous. All right. It's so delightful. Now, see, this is the thing. 
The Fearsome Critters has some things to say about the Hodag, and I could not find record because it goes too far back in time, I think. Because 1895 is when when the Wisconsin stuff happened. But it starts by saying, now first of all, the Latin for the Hodag is, of course, Deformis Conager Lacrimans, and it was reported in Maine many years past, supposedly. Interesting. See, and I tried to research those sightings. I could not find anything about them. If somebody does, this is one of the few times I'm saying this, like, I'm seeking out people to at me on Twitter. If you can find record of the Maine sightings, sightings of the Hodag pre the Shepherd sighting in 1895, please send it to me. Now, I want to read about them. Just for the sake of scullying a little bit here. Uh-huh. And I do apologize. Um, okay. But I, I only put it up because I actually do think it's very interesting in that Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods is a lot of the stuff in it is just made up for the publication of Fearsome Critters well, of, of the Lumberwoods. Um, but it's interesting because it serves as a really fascinating sort of cultural predecessor in that way, too. Like, I know we've talked about these books on the show before, but, like, the, the Dragonology and the Wizardology mm-hmm. books that we both had, like, those are a really cool sort of modern equivalent of what the Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods did. And I, I just want people to be aware of that sort of, like, parallelism because it's mm-hmm. really cool. It's, like, the idea of having a codified system of, like, if this is an encyclopedic book of information on this thing. Everything in it is made up, but is now canonical because it's been published in this form that is, like, officially laid down as, like, a statutory volume, you know, which is so fascinating to me. The idea that somebody would be like, well, you know, there's all this information out here floating out about the fearsome critters of the Lumberwoods, information which I myself have disseminated, but I'm going to put it all in one place so that people have it as a handy reference volume. Like, that's really cool. And granted, a lot of the stuff in Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods was pulled from, like, actual, you know, urban legends or word of mouth or stuff about, like, things that these lumberjacks up here were experiencing. So that isn't to say that some of them aren't true, because they very well may be. Um, I know, like, the tea kettler that we talked about in our bonus episode, absolutely 100% real. Oh, hide behind, Love the tea kettler. Hide behind's great, yeah. I mean, no, just he's real. I didn't say it was great. (laughs) No, he's, well, yeah, he's very real. But, like, yeah, so some of them, I mean, obviously are pulled from source material others are just kind of like oh, i need to fill out this page oh totally i'm gonna make a corgi that runs backwards now here's the thing this is definitely you can tell came from somebody who would categorize themselves because there's no way anyone else called him this he definitely called himself this mr uh, shepherd a prankster <laughs> so reported in maine many years past and in 1895 captured and positively identified near rhinelander wisconsin by mr e.s shepherd the hodag is indubitably one of the best known of the larger and more dangerous woods varmints I love the, like, really academic language paired with varmints. Woods varmints. I love indubitably in the same sentence as varmints. Oh, yeah. It is now very rare, probably owing to the increased use of lemons in cookery, for hodags and citrus fruits are in the same ratio as wolves and wolfbane. Probably more so. They hate lemons. More than wolves hate wolfsbane. Yes. Hodags hate citrus. They hate it. That's buck wild. They've got, a. They've got, um... Acid reflux. Oh, no. It doesn't say that, but I'm assuming. They're all going to get scurvy. <laughs> you can get vitamin C from onions. Do they like onions? It doesn't say they don't. I have a new hypothesis for you. Okay. This has nothing to do with onions. <laughs> it's just my, where my brain went next. I've heard they're like ogres, though. <clears throat> okay, what? Uh, new hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Mr. E.S. Shepard is, in fact, himself some sort of impish changeling spirit. The hodag is his true form. <gasps> I like that. Oh, wow. 
he's sort of a um, yeah, he's sort of a chaos god. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And he spins wild stories about the Hodag to distance himself from them, and then will be the Hodag to get people to believe. Well, them. then you'll really enjoy this next bit here. Oh, um, good. A distress. Also, he hates citrus. Oh, yeah. A distressingly ugly animal. Oh, no. <laughs> it's so sad. Oh, man. The novelty head wears a pair of prominent bulging eyes and two heavy lateral horns, something after the fashion of a male stag beetle. This is a different description. Now, this will sound familiar, though. The claws are stout and powerful. The tail carries a terminal hook. I think like a freaking, like a scorpion tail or something. Oh, wow. Else while a row of jagged stegosaurian dorsal spines complete the picture. The smaller front teeth were formerly often used for umbrella handles. Oh. The hodag is fully aware of his... Un- <laughs> Sorry, oh, this is so sad. The hodag is fully aware of his upsetting appearance and is given to frequent fits of bitter weeping. Oh, no. I once had a handful of the extremely rare crystallized hodag tears, but an acquisitive lady friend collected them, believing them to be fine amber. She had them strung into a neck yoke, which is a weird way to say necklace, and then went and spilled a Tom Collins on herself. Of course, the lemon juice dissolved them instantly. Oh, whoa, what a... Oh, gosh, that's amazing. Now, the hodag and I have something in common. This fellow can't endure being laughed at. Oh, no. He hates it so much. That's better than some places that could have gone, but worse than others, I guess. He's just having a rough time. He's having a rough time. When angry, he is fierce and dangerously aggressive, but a pair of lemons is ample protection against a whole herd. Are they malevolent? It sounds like they're just kind of grumpy. <laughs> they're just kind of sad and grumpy. They're just kind of having Which, a bad like, day. Same hodag. Yeah, they're just kind of like me having a really bad week. Um, so I want to hop over to the Pine Barrens Institute. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a little bit more information on the hodag's initial like kind of appearance, and it's all right in the 1890s, pretty much. Now, you know, I want to know what the hodag looks like on the inside. Oh. I bet he's beautiful. I know he's beautiful. Oh. Here's the thing. Every resource I read on the hodag would just kind of, (laughs) there's a lot of vagary around it. So it would be like, there have been sightings to this day. But then when you try to find the modern sightings, you can't find anything. The closest I got was a website like about like hodag related tourism in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. And then when I, and it had a section for recent hodag sightings. And then when I went to it, the page was just blank. Oh. So what don't they want us to know? Hmm. Who's been clearing all the hodag information from the internet? Shepard. He's been long dead. I hope not. Has he? Oh, true. He's a chaos god. Has he? Oh, wow. Loki of Norse mythology. (laughs) Amazing to see you here. There is a lot of um, carryover of uh, Norse mythology into um, mm-hmm. the Midwest with trolls and such. So Yeah. I mean. And so in classic, you know, Percy Jackson or American Gods-esque style, he just came right over with him. Yeah. Loki's- Dressed himself up as a hodag. <laughs> Love oh. it. And now he talks like this. He says, uh... Go pack, go, and he uh, wears a cheese hat, and he roots for the Packers. And I don't Loves know a lot dish. about. I don't know a lot about Wisconsin. I know about the Packers and the cheese, and that for some reason, everyone I've ever met from Wisconsin calls bagels bagels, mm. which I hate. Mm, I don't love that. Anyway, the hodag is a cryptid creature of folklore that originated in the state of Wisconsin in the late 1800s. 
So, the story goes that in 1893, a creature was discovered that had a reputation for disrupting the work of the lumberjacks in the area. There's the fearsome critters. Uh-huh. It was extremely vicious. Ooh. and it, Oh, Alex, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. And enjoyed snatching up and eating the white bulldogs in the area. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. He didn't want any other stubby-legged, smushy-faced boys over there. Nope. They look too much... Okay, not to get, like, super dark, but, like, they look too much like him. It reminds him of how much he hates himself. Oh, I hope so, Dag. He'll also save these dogs. You can't just take out the things that you don't like about yourself on other people. Oh, no, absolutely not. That's very unhealthy. It's projecting, and the Hodag could benefit from some cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, seriously. So, the reports... See, this is interesting. The reports... Oh, no. Uh, just kidding. I misread that as investigated. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> Oops. Just kidding. But um, the reports of the newspapers and the people of the area were instigated by a well-known Wisconsin land surveyor and prankster. There it is again, by the name of Eugene Shepard. He told a tale about how he rounded up a group of locals to chase and capture the creature. He reported that the hodag was so mean that the only way to kill it was multiple sticks of dynamite. Oh, this guy is absolutely a chaos guy. Yeah. Like, we're on the same page with this now, right? Yeah. After it was killed, a photograph showing proof of the creature's body was released to newspapers. The townspeople went into a frenzy. The dead creature was described as the last of its kind, and that it was the fiercest, strangest, and most frightening monster to ever set its sharp claws upon the earth. Now, that was the last of its kind, and this is when the red flag should have come up, because three years later, Shepard was like, oh, I caught one alive. Ugh. I've got it. Do you guys want to see it? Would you like to see would you like to see the live one that I caught, which is definitely not a puppet that I pull strings and make move? <laughs> so uh, it was the visit from Smithsonian scientists that ended the tour of the Hodag. Shepard announced that the creature was and had always been a hoax. But stories of the Hodag are still told to this day in Rhinelander in the entire state of Wisconsin, where the people speak of their local hoax with pride. How much did the Smithsonian pay him to say it was all a hoax? Yeah, that's the question, mm. isn't it? There's a cover-up. There's a cover-up here. So, that's the thing. I'm glad we've stumbled into another sort of mythological creature on this journey. We've discovered Eugene Shepard. Eugene Shepard, yeah. The real cryptid. What's his true name, you think? Is it Loki? Is that I don't think is? we're allowed to know it. Yep. I think the this knowledge is was, of it would yeah, drive us This is us what insane. I was talking about, by the way. You go to Hodag sightings, and then there's just ah! nothing there. Well, why is it like that? You can subscribe, but you can't know. <laughs> to stay on top of their e-newsletter. <laughs> So there's a ton of tourism surrounding the Hodag. Um, there is uh, actually, let me pull it up because it's fantastic. Um, I meant to pull it up before. Wow, activities, attractions, dining, shopping, events. Hodag's Den. Hodag's Den. But what I was going to pull up is explorerhinelander.com has a lot of fun little touristy Hodag stuff, including information about, um, there's like a really cute little. Aw, feed the Hodag. There's a game. Oh, there's an app. There's an ah! app. Would you like to play an app about the Hodag? You can get Feed the Hodag um, or Hungry Hodag. Sorry, is what it's called. Hungry, Hungry Hodag. Um, yes, yeah, so you help him chomp his way through Rhinelander. Um, also, Ask the Hodag. You can type questions and Ooh, he'll ask answer yes or no questions. Um, need an something. answer to that big question but can't get a hold of your friends, family, clergy members, or old college roommate? I'm here to help. Ask him a yes or no question. What Are you, you Eugene Shepard? Are you Eugene for Hodag not found. Ask again. Yikes! There's the also most chilling an arcade with more games. Um, well, we've already spoken directly to the Hodag, so that's true. There should be an infographic about it too that I meant to. There it is. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna read to you from a Hodag infographic that they have on ExploreRhinelander.com. So. 
We've got uh, some fun facts. We've got a little timeline here. Would you like to oh, hear a nice. timeline? I would like to hear the timeline. So the Hodag was dis- the Hodag was discovered in 1893. Pabst won the blue ribbon that same year. Coincidence? I'm just reading straight from this. 1959. President John F. Kennedy received a replica Hodag during his trip to Rhinelander. That's true. It is said he used the. Be- now this is debatable. It is said he used the beast for inspiration while writing his inaugural address. Ugh. 1967, the Hodag was third string center for the Green Bay Packers during the Ice Bowl. Oh my gosh. 2009, the Hodag raised the prize winning milking goat in the Wisconsin State Fair. This is fantastic. <laughs> these are so good. I love these so much. Now, I just have to say, like, I on... cannot vouch for the truth of these statements from exploring no, It's all absolutely true. Uh huh. Um, one thing I have to say that, like, I love more than anything in the world is, and it's such a hyper specific thing, but. The, like, the loyalty that people from a small or, like, an area with not much else going for it in, like, the national scope just, like, latches on to something. So I'm from Morgantown, West Virginia, which I know I've said before on here, but if you're just tuning in, welcome. Mm -hmm. And one of the most iconic exports of Morgantown, West Virginia of all time is the actor Don Knotts, who... Uh, was in a, a great many things, um, most notably the Andy Griffith Show, and he was Barney Fife. And you've definitely seen him, even if you haven't ever seen the Andy Griffith Show. Like you've seen Don Knotts, but like there is so much hyper specific Don Knotts pride in Morgantown, West Virginia. Like as Aww. of a few years ago, there was a Don Knotts statue erected in Morgantown, West Virginia. Wait, that's so cool. Yeah, he was an alumnus of my high school, and like everybody is just way hyped about that. There's a Don Knotts Boulevard, so it's like the Hodag thing is similar. I think. Not that I'm saying that Don Knotts and the Hodag are similar. I'm just saying that like, oh yeah, conceptually, the idea of being like we have this thing. I love it. That's so cool. I've got a few. I've got a little bit more from the infographic. It's like the Patsy Cline thing from Winchester. Oh yeah. Well, it's like Patsy Cline, yeah, from Winchester and a couple other things from Winchester that we just can't let go. But, like, like we just think that small towns dig in. Oh, apple blossom. Um, so a few other things from this fun little infographic before I move to the next thing. I'm so ready. So uh, this is cute. The Hodog will eat fish fresh out of the lake, but he prefers a traditional Wisconsin fish fry with potato pancakes. <laughs> Hodag tears make the world's best lemonade. Unfortunately, the Hodag never cries. What? But he doesn't eat lemons. No. Does he not like lemons because they remind him of the taste of his tears? Oh, God. I'm so confused. Alex, I think you might be taking this particular infographic a little seriously. What? Considering it claimed he raised a prize-winning milking coat. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that seems believable. That's fair. So, um, the Hodag smells exactly like a pine-scented car air freshener. That's incredible. And one more thing, if he tilts his head just right, the Hodag can pick up every Milwaukee Brewers radio broadcast on his horns, but the reception is fuzzy. Oh, wait, no, this one's sweet, too. I like this one. The late summer sunset stole its color from the Hodag's eyes. (laughs) The writer of this infographic is in love with the Hodag. Here's the thing. Yeah, uh, get them together. We've got a billboard dad, the Hodag. Billboard dag. I want to hop over to uh, monstromathenaeum.org. I can't believe you would overlook my billboard dag joke. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm so sorry. Thanks. No, it's fine. We're done now. Alex, please. No, it's done. That No, no, no. Not like we are oh. done. I mean, like, we're done that segment. Move on to whatever oh. important thing you were going to say that's better than, you know, early 2000 smash hit billboard dad. 
I want to talk about um, this. This person has a different take on the hodag. Um, it says to Wisconsin residents, the hodag is nothing more than a favorite legend, a hoax for gullible tourists. As for the hodag, well, perhaps he's just a shy guy who doesn't understand what all the fuss is about, quietly making his home in the woods of northern Wisconsin. 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 So it talks about like the original legend, um, and it talks about that there were there are modern sculptures, paintings, and stuffed toys that don't stray far from the original report. Unlike a lot of cryptids. The physical description of the hodag is pretty much the same across the board. So it talks about the shepherd sighting in uh, 1893, and then talks about, um, according to historians, the story of the hodag sparked interest among local hunters who took off after it. Into the forests they went, in large groups, bravely following their dogs. Now here's where the story gets a little fanciful. Unfortunately, the hunters underestimated their prey. To their dismay, the creature was impervious to rifle fire. As a last resort, the hunters set the area on fire and burned the hodag alive. Oh, no! An old black-and-white photo was taken, uh, purportedly showing the charred remains of the hodag. Skeptics dismiss it as a hoax. However, the reason may surprise you. Skeptics claim the image is fake because hodags are fireproof. What? (laughs) Naturally, one could not have been burned alive. Oh, my God. (laughs) It all has to do with the supernatural origin of the hodag, and those folks take it very seriously. We love tall tales, but the origin myth for the hodag is particularly fun. As the story goes, the original hodag rose from the ashes of cremated oxen abused by a particularly nasty and cruel lumberjack. After the last of the oxen was burnt to ash, the anger and cruelty absorbed by those mistreated animals rose up in the shape of a hodag. I love the hodag again. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a vengeance spirit. Yeah, wow. Punishing lumberjacks for the wrongs they committed against innocent animals. Despite the questionable origin myth and attempts by locals to trivialize the existence of the hodag through commercialization, reports of hodag sightings continue to pour in. One thing is for sure, if you decided to go on a hodag hunt of your own, no one would blink an eye about it. People have been traveling to the small town of Rhinelander for over 100 years in pursuit of the creature. I like the implication that people are trivializing the hodag by commercializing it. Like, whatever you do, do not try to make a profit off of this creature that was devised solely as a profit-making gimmick for Eugene Shepard. Excuse me? How dare you? How dare you? How very dare I? He was born from the suffering of oxen. He's also Eugene Shepard. That's true. See, I can't decide where I fall in the in the hodag camp now. I don't know what I, I believe know. about him. Those are both very good camps. Huh. I will just say... That I'm keeping an open mind, and I would be very delighted to have either one of them proven true. I understand. Now, I want to go hop over to scribble.com. Not scribble, but S-C-R-I-B-O-L.com. Okay. Uh, They have a section for anthropology and history, and this is under bizarre and offbeat news. And the headline, this is just an excerpt, but the headline was, Where the Wild Things Are, The Legend Behind the Hodag. So this is just an excerpt from the end of the piece, and I love this one. Uh, It actually is the only other eyewitness sighting I could find, in addition to the Eugene Shepard one, and then just kind of vagaries about, like, people still see it to this very day, which gives me no information. Um, So one thing is for sure. This is one myth that is just not ready to die. New hodag sightings are reported very frequently. An official hodag report is brought out every year. I tried to find it. I couldn't find it. If you can find it, please send it to me. I want to read it. Maybe we're not allowed to know. I think it might only be released to Wisconsinites. Oh, that's true. Maybe we don't qualify. I love that this, like, little snippet was titled Where the Wild Things Are, because honestly, the hodag is like a very Maurice Sendak looking thing. Oh, yeah. And multiple sources make that comparison, too. So here's an eyewitness account from January 2007 where the strange beast is described as, and I'm going to try to do this here, green whistling and grunting and not too happy because it sat down in an ant's nest. (laughs) Says our witness, there was nothing I could do. I had already wet my pants. What? (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. Iconic. With thousands of articles, websites, books, eyewitness accounts, and other material, the hodag is is sure here to stay, grinning skeptics right in the face. We're still not sure what those lumberjacks really saw in the forest those many years ago that gave rise to such extensive folklore. So that's pretty neat. Um, now, fun fact, actually, in my research, I found some pop culture influences outside of just, like, the Wisconsin tourism industry. Oh, very nice. Um, there is an episode of Scooby-Doo <gasps> called The Hodag of Horror. Like, new Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo Mystery right? Incorporated. This aired in 2012. Oh, yeah. That's, like, a pretty new one. Yeah. So... Uh, this is the premise of this episode. A wild creature called the Hodag of Horror is stealing precious jewelry from the people of Crystal Cove. <laughs> Brad Chili's and Judy Reeves, Fred's real parents, spoiler, sorry. What? I don't know what that means. Have suddenly appeared along with a dog whom Scooby has taken a fancy to. No, Scooby, don't. Don't do that. That's just, it's messy. That's the whole synopsis I could find of the episode. There's lists of, there's like a list of suspects... Um, there's the content, there's continuity, there's notes and trivia. Oh, some continuity notes for this. Shaggy's hair finally returns to its regular length and style in this episode after having been cut between All Fear the Freak and The Night the Clown Cried for his attendance at Barnstone Military Academy. What is going on in 2012 Scooby-Doo? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Um, I have, oh, this is fun. Cultural references. Um, the Hodag is a monster of Wisconsin legend, first discovered by Eugene Shepard over 100 years ago. Gene Shepard, a character in this episode, is a parody of Eugene Shepard. A girl among the crowd, who Gene Shepard talks to when he first arrives in town, resembles Sari Sumdak from the TV series Transformers Animated. That has nothing to do with anything. What? But I care about the, I care about the, the Gene, the Gene Shepard thing. This is, oh, here we go. Would you like this fun, would you like this fun trivia fact about this? The name of the cheese shop, something cheesy this way comes, is a play on the Shakespearean quote, something wicked this way comes, which also serves as the title of Ray Bradbury's novel about a nightmarish carnival visiting a small town. Cheesy is not a pun on wicked. (laughs) Mm, I'm, I think it is, Alex. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So, um... Is Fred okay? Um, I don't know what that means about his real parents. Sorry about spoilers for Scooby-Doo. Is Shaggy okay? (laughs) He went to military school, I guess. In, like, the old, old, old Scooby-Doo continuity, Shaggy was, like, the most accomplished gymnast at his school. Did you know that? Oh, wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) There's an old... And I will tell you why I know this. I know this because in the old Scooby-Doo slash, um... Adam West Batman crossover episode. Right. They're breaking into the warehouse where the penguin has like the rubber making factory or whatever, and he's like making crazy inventions with it. Um, and they need to get into like a third floor window. And the way they do this is they look at Shaggy and they're like, Shaggy, you're the best gymnast at our school. You can get up there. And Shaggy's like, Yeah, man. And he like grabs a pole and slingshots himself into a third floor window. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's always that. been like really, really puzzling. And I was never sure, like, are they high schoolers? Are they college kids? Like, I, I literally don't know what's Multiple going on. Multiple iterations change their age, and then you have What's New Scooby-Doo, where they're all literal children. Well, there's also a pup named Scooby-Doo, which does that. Oh, no, no, What's New Scooby-Doo is not that one. I mixed it up. What's New Scooby-Doo is just another Scooby-Doo series. Pup named Scooby-Doo is when they're children. Pup named Scooby-Doo raises a lot of questions. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a How valuable addition to the canon. We don't talk about it. Okay. Don't worry about it. Well, I'm hoping it. whatever magic makes him able to talk like a human being yeah. makes him able to live longer than your average Great Dane. Well, he clearly does, because he's still going strong. 
but that would imply that they're have all you ever Have you ever looked at the Scooby-Doo family tree? Because it is buck wild. <laughs> I don't talk about Scrappy-Doo. No, 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 not. It goes so much deeper. Alex, please tell me. <laughs> we'll look at it later. Okay. You heard it here, folk, folks, first. Just Google the Scooby-Doo family tree. You heard it here. It's oh my so god, much. you heard it here first, folks. Google the Scooby-Doo family tree. It gets wild. Hey, um, we should watch Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island later. We can't. Andrew's going to be here and he can't watch it. Does he really still get scared of it? <laughs> I can't say. I can't, I can't do him dirty like this on air. Oh, I'm so sorry. But it's the best Scooby-Doo movie. It is an exceptionally good Scooby-Doo Although Scooby-Doo movie. and the Witch's Ghost is also, also quality. Very because the Hex Girls are amazing. The Hex Girls and also just pretty classic um, important lesson about uh, pretentious soft boy professor types being often the real villains. Mm-hmm. Which I'm pretty here for. Yeah, Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island, I have to say, though, for, like, a kid's film, has some incredibly atmospheric world building. Oh, it is dark, it's too. so good. And the accent work in Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island is pretty solid. Yeah, the Cajun accents in that, it's pretty, pretty it's solid. Good. Also, that uh, that movie made me think that uh, when I finally had uh, uh, Crawfish, it would be much better than it was. I wasn't actually, I didn't really <laughs> feel it that much. It's just, they made it look so good and so much easier to eat than it is. yeah. A lot of a lot of uh, misdirection in Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. <laughs> Cartoon food, man. Cartoon food will never. It can never be as good, and it breaks my heart. I'll never have pizza as good as what the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were rocking in literal sewers. Never. never. In sewers, they had that delicious pizza. That's not sanitary. That's not safe. That's a whole separate thing. And I don't know why I'm even talking about that right now. I just I think about it and I get upset. It's a bad lesson for children. Anyway. So bring us back to the hodag. So let's, I wanted let's to close. Wrap this up. I wanted to close with uh, a couple last two things. One was a really lovely piece by um, a really thoughtful piece by Holly Hilgenberg called "In Search of the Hodag," and it's talking a lot about uh, her roots in the Rhinelander and her family as relationship to um, this, and then kind of going into like perhaps a more altruistic motivation behind. It, 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 this is taking the stance of it being a hoax, but a more altruistic motivation behind the hoax itself. If not altruistic, you'll see what I mean. I want to just read a couple little excerpts from it. Yeah, please do. And I love Holly Hilgenberg. It's uh, H-I-L-G-E-N-B-E-R-G. I really like her writing style, I think. Uh, so check her stuff out. Um, this was on an archive, um, and it was from... Uh, this was from the journalism department of wisc.wisc.edu. So journalism.wisc.edu. So, it was a beautiful fall day, the air unseasonably crisp and the leaves on the trees seasonably colored. My mother and I were side by side in her black Volvo station wagon, returning for the first time in ten years to a place of both of our childhoods, Rhinelander. While Rhinelander is a typical small Northwoods town in many ways, to us it's more than a dot on the map. To me it means being incredibly bored at my grandparents' log cabin, no running water, bunk beds that smelled like musk and mucky loon lake. To my mother, it means her childhood summer vacation, her five siblings, pets, and friends stuffed into a packed station wagon, spending a week equally contained in the two-room cabin as it inevitably poured rain. Beyond our personal experiences, Rhinelander has something else no other small town can claim. The Hodag. It was the Hodag, Rhinelander's most famous hoax, that was leading me back to a place and a time that no longer exists. 
Unlike the impersonal metropolises that litter the country, small towns often rally around the cherished histories that cement their identities and reasons for being. Small-town pride, similar to intense radical patriotism, is exemplified in rivalries between high school football teams and screaming matches over blue-ribbon rhubarb pie at county fairs. Rhinelander, with its population of 7,873, is no different. But for this small town, its special sauce is something that never even existed except in the minds of many persuaded by a pile of oxhide and bullhorns that the fierce hodag beast did indeed live. Now... I'm going to disagree with her on that one. Perhaps it's real. We don't know. We don't know. But the Hodag was just one part of the business elite's plan to help the community survive in the late 1800s. Like many Wisconsin Northwoods towns, Rhinelander was founded mainly by its logging industry. Many similar communities were in crisis during this period, as their once seemingly endless supplies of pine and hemlock were rapidly depleted. It was a matter of sinking or swimming as towns scrambled to find other industries and methods of money-making, and Rhinelander was determined to swim, with a little help from a made-up creature. In 1893, Eugene Shepard, a local prankster and timber cruiser, began spreading his tales of the hodag around the community. And then there's a lot of the excerpts from what he said originally. And then it says, um, curiously, it was believed that the hodag would only eat white bulldog would eat white bulldogs, but only on Sundays. <laughs> In a clever pre-public relations measure, Shepard rounded up a band of brave locals to capture the monster and photograph the event, proving to all not only the beast's existence but also the strength of Rhinelander folk. They used the dynamite, there's the photograph, and then he had the one that was alive, and then he revealed it was a hoax. It says, Hodag Fervor caught on in the town of Rhinelander and helped secure the community's future. Entirely unique and rooted in the legacy of its survival, Rhinelander has willingly adopted the strange, supposedly frightening, but to some adorable, beast as its mascot. So it's, also, it's known as the home of the Hodag and its promotional materials. There's locally owned stores named after the beast, such as the charming Hodag Gun and Loan. And the local sporting events, you can see youth of Rhinelander confront their opponents as the fearless Hodags. Our gargantuan Hodag statue greeted us as we made our first stop in Rhinelander at the Chamber of Commerce. It looked a little silly. This huge green monster with glowing yellow and red eyes positioned in front of this homey country-style building. Still, it was a message to everyone who drove on Business Highway 8 that they were entering the town of Rhinelander. The Hodag's influence extends beyond its home's borders. It has been recognized in places as far away as London and has graced Jim Morrison's grave in Paris. The Hodag is a marker to everyone worldwide of something from a small town in northern Wisconsin. And then um, there's the uh, there's a little bit more. I, w- I don't want to read the whole piece because it's long, but I would recommend looking the piece up. You yeah, I'm definitely interested. And it's um, talking about kind of just looking at small-town America, it says, Like its home, the Hodag has also changed. While it has been used for quite some time as a promotional tool for the area, it is now heavily controlled. Hodag merchandise is officially licensed and sold through a variety of vehicles, including the officially licensed Hodag Merchandise Online Store, the Chamber of Commerce, and, of course, Walmart. Despite the inclusion of Rhinelander's most famed beast into the commercialization of the town, it continues to collect, collect connect Rhinelander to its past serving as a marker for the community that sired it and as a reminder of its small-town roots. Our return and trip ended with a half-hearted search of a souvenir hodag statue to take home as a token reminder of the experience, as well as a little something to remind me of my past in Rhinelander. Though I returned home empty-handed, I realized that the very fact that the hodag store reminded me of a time which is now gone proves the power of its legacy. The hodag will always remind me of walks in the woods, the tiny frogs littering the sandy ground at my grandparents' cabin, s'mores at night, and reading my grandma's bird-watching books when I had nothing else to do. Huber had mentioned how amazed she was that even in light of its fakeness, the legacy of the hodag continues today. Perhaps that is what's so powerful about it. 
Even though I will probably never return to the cabin, and Walmart will continue to change Rhinelander and its people, there is a piece of the past that remains. Luckily for Rhinelander, its past ex- exists beyond memories, and the town owes that to the Hodag. Wow, that's really beautiful. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, I, I really definitely, love that piece. Yeah, that's really, really cool. I wanted to close on that one because I think it ties into something that I think makes this particular creature very special, which is maybe it was real, maybe it wasn't, but does, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. And that's when yeah. you talk about like different things are real in different ways. And what's more real than something having that tangible of an impact on a community? Well, yeah. And I mean, so many things like are, and that's what's particularly cool about mythologies and about, you know, cryptids and about spirituality in whatever form it may come to you, whether that is spirituality as a religious practice or spirituality as simply a practice of, you know, attenuating the things that you believe and hold true about yourself and draw inspiration from to various symbologies in the world around you. But, you know, a thing is notable for what it represents in every possible case. Like, there are things that for the things that they have come to mean in the public memory are either, you know, fundamentally altered from their original intention or meaning or harmlessness in ways that are very profound and disturbing or in ways that can be like really, really kind of excellent and wonderful. And I think that the hodag is one of those things, you know, where it's like it may have started out as something innocuous or it may have started out as something silly or half-hearted or selfish or what have you. But what it's become is so fundamentally different from all of those things that it's been sort of claimed and canonized in this really, really interesting and beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Like, what power does a thing have except for the meaning we give it? Yeah, totally. And I think that sometimes that's enough for something to be real. And so that brings us to the end of this very strange, sometimes sad, sometimes sweet, <laughs> weird little creature. And that's uh, who represents so much to me as someone from a small town. And I know you're also from a small town and kind of just speaks a lot to the staying power of stories, especially in small communities. And yeah. Yeah. I Very like cool. the Hodag. I think he's good. Go hug a Hodag today. Go hug a Hodag today. He needs it. He needs it so badly. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much. And thank you again to our sponsors this week, Studio Headphones. Yes, This is just you. a reminder that if you want to get in on that sweet, sweet gear, you can go to studiosweden.com and you can get yourself a fresh new pair of, I was trying to think of some cool dope slang for yeah. earbuds and I couldn't think of one. <laughs> is there one? I don't know. A new some pair little, of phones. little, 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 uh, Nope. Nope, it's not coming. Anyway, headphones. You can get a pair of headphones uh, with our Cryptid Keeper promo code, which is Keeper, K-E-E-P-E-R. Tell them we sent you. Yeah, listen up. Hey. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Um, but so, we love Studio. We hope that you do, too. Yeah. And if you end up getting yourself a new pair, let us know. We'd love to hear how you like them and take a look at your Take a selfie your of you and your new merch. headphones. Yeah, totally. Thank you also, as usual, to all of our Patreon donors and to all of our non-donors who are still listeners and fervent supporters. Any way that you have of supporting the show, whether that's by telling your friends and helping us out via word of mouth, or just by listening to the show quietly in the comfort of your own home, or on your bus commute, or wherever life takes you, we are so happy to be along for the journey. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Um, quick reminder about our socials. If you're not already following us on Twitter, we are at CryptKeepPod. That's C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-E-P-P-O-D. We are, that is also our email address. It's CryptKeepPod at gmail.com. If you want to send us questions, 
if you have pictures of something you've cited or you want to tell us about sightings for a future episode on those, please shoot us an email there. And then you can find us on Facebook at The Cryptic Keeper or you can come hang out with us in our Facebook group, The Cryptic Keeper Appreciation Group, which is a fun, wholesome space uh, with hot memes and cool teens. What? I don't know. Um, Better than the other way around. So thank no, you for yeah. that. No, of course. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, yeah, if you are one of our Patreon donors at any level, there will be a new Horror Borealis episode for you up on Monday, which is tomorrow. Yep. Gotcha. Um, on account of we're going to go try to record like five or six hours of that right now. Yep. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, thank you so much for all the feedback on our last sort of filler episode. We've gotten a lot of very generous and kind commentary on that, <laughs> and I'm glad that you guys liked it. There was some concern. It was a lot of fun to record, it was and I'm glad fun. that it was equally fun to listen to. It's always good when the fun is shared by everyone and not just the people making yeah, it. Yeah, right. So um, thank you very much, and as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there.